Good afternoon. It is Friday, September 25th. This is Chicky Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group, and we have a real treat for you today. We are launching a new series called CEO Live, where the last Friday of each month we interview uh hand-selected CEOs, and we are calling the series Women in the C-Suite, Views from the Top. And the host of this unique show is M.K. Marsden, and she is going to introduce our very first CEO guest. M.K. and Lisa, welcome. Kiki, thank Thank you you so so much. much. Sorry, Lisa. Um, Ladies, thank you for joining us today. The purpose of this expanded show, and Chicky, thanks for the platform for us to do this, it's really for us to talk about women's leadership and provide each other with shared experiences and business wisdom that ideally will have an impact on you running your business right away today. We want to make this hour together incredibly valuable. And I'm extremely excited that our first guest for this show is a dear friend of mine, a repeat founder CEO, Lisa Hendrickson. Lisa is recently launching another company called Spark City Audacity and Bean. We'll talk about how those fit together. Um, Lisa has been a serial entrepreneur, an author. She's the recipient of several Inc. awards. She's a sought-after public speaker. She teaches at several universities, and most recently did Morning Salon for the Fashion Institute of Technology here in New York City. Top of all of those great business things, Lisa's a great and powerful athlete. She's super funny, and I'm just delighted to kick off this show with Lisa today. Lisa, welcome. Wow, MK, thank you so much for having me, number one. And number two, what a great introduction. Thank you so, so much for sharing that with the audience. And, you know, one of the things I'd love to just say before we even get started is um, one of the things that's so exciting for me to be on the show and talking to you about about uh, CEO life is that what you just painted a picture was the totality of of what I do. So not only are we talking about what we do at work, but the totality of our, our lives together. So thanks for, for that great introduction and being able to kick off the conversation with that. You bet. You bet. And I think that's one of the distinctive characteristics that I've experienced with successful CEOs is we do kind of support each other with the totality, right? It's the business advice, it's the care of aging parents advice, it's all of that that we um, get to share, support each other with, and manage as we're building these fantastic companies. Yeah, so, so to, oh, sorry, go ahead. So I was going to say, so talk to that. You've had quite the journey, and you're doing your most powerful work right now with your new business. Talk to the audience a little bit about the highlights of the journey, because the highlights are really what's gotten you to invent your latest and greatest company. Sure. So, you know, my journey has been not unlike a lot of other serial entrepreneurs. I had started my career off in venture-backed technology um, companies, and being hired in as a hired gun inside a startup environment gave me a very unique learning 
experience. So on one hand, inside of startup, there there is the fierce need to build and grow. And at the Mm -hmm. same time, you have a platform because you have investors and larger investors inside of the company. And so you learn to serve two masters. One is the company, and then the others are investors' needs and wants. And so some of those pivot points were really, really um, uh, huge learning lessons um, Mm -hmm. for me inside of that. After I left venture-backed technology startups, I had started my own web-based company. And, you know, things were going really great with that. And I had to stop because I had life happen. My dad had a terminal illness. And it was something that made me have to take a step back and look at how are we going to deal with life? How do I have to deal with this set of circumstances? And it wasn't just about I've got to make the plate spin, you know, while while business and this is happening. It was really what are we going to do with a circumstance that that has a particular end in sight, and it was a very personal moment. And that taught me a lot about thinking about what am I going to do in business and life. After my dad passed away, I thought only about doing what was worthwhile inside mm-hmm. of business. And so the next business that I did um, was HCC, and it was a luxury interiors company in New York City with my husband. And that company, we were one of the first triple bottom line uh, sustainably oriented manufacturing companies built in New York City started in 2003. And one of the powerful things about doing that company was the focus of the company of doing what was terribly important to us. And part of that was sustainability, part of that was local, and then also following our own paths around quality, around integrity, around values. And so the company building changed from not only did it have to happen fast, like venture-backed companies, but it had to have that quality conversation about what do we value most. And through these changes and these different companies, I came up with this last bit that we're doing now, Spark City, which culminates in what do we value? How do we pass that on? How do we build something that is sustainable with legs? Outside of just providing for our families and ourselves, how do we build a platform that really helps others transform their ideas, their company wishes, their dreams into building something beyond just a lifestyle company for themselves, but into something that is sustainable, worthwhile, and large enough to be a service to other people. Great, great. So I'm going to take a step back, and and I want to talk a little bit about this. With With the illness of your father and life happening, there's another dimension to it, too, as I recall. Your father was an entrepreneur and ran several companies. So sure. there you were, full-time job, and dealing with your father's end-of-life affairs and a family business. Um, that, I think, has informed part of your value system in creating a company that helps other business leaders grow their company. Absolutely. You know, and I'm and I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because really 
for me in looking at what people are doing every day and bringing their business dreams into reality is the fact that at core, most people want to provide for their family, and then they'd like to be able to have lift in, in some other area of success. And when I looked at what was important to my dad in building these companies, it might sound a little funny, but my dad never wanted to be an astronaut. He never wanted to do, you know, have these, these great visions of changing the world. His big dream was about providing for his company, um, his family. And so he made a company in order to be able to do that. And I find the connection with what people imagine for themselves and what they aspire to at its most base and its most core is about providing for companies. And in, in, I'm sorry, providing for their families and building these companies. And so with the services that I've, I've pulled together now, it's really about, Helping companies, business people, people who have that aspiration, be able to build in the operational and the financial wherewithal so that these companies grow and ultimately take care of people and their families. Yes, great. You're one of the only CEOs that I know that has worked in the full spectrum, really, the venture-based, you know, tech, you've always been leading edge. You've always been pushing either the technology cycle or, you know, with, with the manufacturing company here in New York, uh, new accounting practices, a leader in sustainability. You're also one of the only people that I know that has worked across that spectrum with her father and with her husband. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you do it personally, <laughs> but I really find it interesting. And maybe you can speak a little bit because I think that's one of the unique characteristics that you bring to your approach in, in business. And it's an interesting part of your leadership capability because you have been the CEO in these family businesses as well. Yeah. So. When we build companies, the responsibility of the company is to fulfill upon its mission. And when we're fulfilling upon our mission, it means we're taking the appropriate action steps to be able to take that step forward, to be able to say, here's the next thing that we have to do, the next product we have to build, the next thing that we have to provide to customers, potential customers. And, and in that as well, what's our responsibility to employees? What's our responsibility to the community? So being mission-driven inside of a company has you take particular actions, while being mission-driven in your family is a different story. Ultimately, I think we all go to work, one, to satisfy something that, that we deeply want to fulfill about ourselves, and two, to take care of our families. And that's whether you have a corporate job, whether you are running a company, no matter what it is. And, and to be able to bring in the, the family elements, yes, it brings in another dynamic, but ultimately it's the shortest distance between two points of taking care of one another. 
And it does make work in a different light. I have a, a thought. I know a lot of the time we hear about there's business life, your work life, and then your personal life. And for me, I just believe that life happens, right? We're just yeah. having life happen. There is no business life. There is no personal life. It's what we're doing at every moment and what we bring to that work. And so to be able to have that experience and that expression with with a parent or or your spouse i think is really really special now i now that i said that it's not for everybody some yeah. people want to work you know solely on you know a very independent individual mission but some people have complementary skill sets and the want and need to build a family business and it means you encounter different problems and different opportunities and you just have to decide which ones that you want to encounter yeah that's great that's great yeah i applaud you i would not endeavor in either <laughs> myself thank you very much um so you've been a sounding board for me in several of my startups. And a really important conversation that we've had, and you've had to remind me of it because it's easy to get really busy in the in the business, right? In the day to day and there's a and I find with with digital everything, there's more busyness than I've experienced before. But you've been really good at coaching me on where is the value? And the mm-hmm. difference between something that can be an interesting idea, something that could be a small business or a lifestyle business or maybe a project, and something that could be an enterprise. And really on getting clear, what is it that I'm building in this particular instant, and then making sure and guiding me in the steps and the framework that puts the value in what it is that I am intending to build. That's great. And and that's Spark City, right? So I think it's really easy when you're running a company of any scale to just get confused, right, to to lose that mission or to lose the most effective, valuable path to that mission. So talk about Spark City and specifically what it is that you're doing for business leaders. I recognize you're not serving just women CEOs with Spark City. You do a lot for women leaders, but you're all business leaders. So talk about that structure that you've created to help people. So those are all great questions, and I want to just unpack some of those statements, and, you know, there's so much meaty material in there. So whether you're building a company or you're working for someone else, you know the difference between working in the business and working on the business. And just like what you said, that busyness of day-to-day, whether it's answering emails or you have to do that social media post or you have to answer the client you know, question that you've answered 10 times, 10 different ways, right? It's working in the business, having to fulfill upon something that is in the area of execution of the business. Working on the business is what's my strategy? What's my long-term strategy? And people who are in corporate 
how am I how am I realizing that corporate strategy through my department or through this initiative, right? And having that ten thousand foot level, being able to look down upon operations and what's happening in the day to day, and seeing if it's a match and seeing if it's a fit for what you're trying to produce. And ultimately going back to the question of what has value. In a very crystalline way, we need to be able to see what is the direct value that we are providing for clients and customers, our employees, whether it's a community at large, depending upon what our focus is. What is it that we're actually bringing? And it, it, it is a mind-boggling question at times because we seem to be made up with activities like I've got to go and put out my next Facebook post. But in thinking about that, is that actually providing deep value that will either get you a new client, create value for the client, and tangible value? Right? Yeah. What is the tangible value that we're building? So one of the things that, that I find is, is wrong-headed that people say all the time is, I want to get paid for what I'm worth, right? And that yeah. is a wrong position in my estimation. The question needs to be, what is the value that I'm delivering and how do I quantify that value? So let's say, and for corporate people, if you wanted to go and ask your boss for a raise, you might say, well, I need a raise because I'm worth that. Well, there's ways to actually quantify that inside of what value am I producing for the organization. And in a quantifiable way, how does my work help move the mission forward or create that value for client or customer. That is way more appropriate. Asking for something or having the position of I'm worth X doesn't get to the heart of the matter of what we're actually doing in business. So for entrepreneurs, oftentimes, and I, I use this example, I was just talking to somebody about this, I might like to cook. And I like to entertain and have people over my house. And I have a pretty nice open-door policy, and, you know, we like that perspective. What I'm not interested in is making a restaurant or having a, an industrial relationship with food because I understand what it means to build a food enterprise. And too often I see that people will start a business because they like to bake. And so somebody says, for holidays, I made 19 dozen cookies, and I gave them out. And people said, I should have this as a business because my cookies are so good. And you can think, okay, this is totally great. I'm going to make this business. But what happens to the business when you can no longer bake in your kitchen? Do you want to go into an industrial kitchen? What happens when you have to fire your first and best friend who is your first employee, right? These are different conversations. And so you want to be able to look at where's the value proposition in that and how do you want to scale things? Should something stay a hobby? Should something become an enterprise? What is the value that you're creating, for the organization and always driving back to how do we scale that value will have you be able to make something worthwhile. 
Yeah, that's great. So in the value conversation and scale, one of the things that I find can consume many, many leaders and um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of resources is this whole issue of cash flow and funding and venture back versus not. You and I have talked about this for since we met each other in the venture back tech sector back in Austin. There's a lot of myth out there about you know overnight success, being a billionaire, right? There's not a whole lot of people talking about building value, um, cash flow for small business, funding strategies for businesses of any size and what you can use beyond venture. But that's part of what you're addressing with Spark City, right? It's helping people understand how to go from the idea to a scalable business that gives them their vision, their profits, et cetera. And then if they want to take it to a large global enterprise, teaching them and helping them put those structures in place so they succeed at that. Talk a little bit about what you're offering, what you're creating in that domain, because I think that's huge for business leaders, no matter what yes. enterprise they're in. Yeah, that is, that's a great setup for for. So much of the information that we get about funding or growing a business comes from media, and the media covers a lot of what seemingly is overnight success, so they might have gotten somebody on the radar for the last 18 months, but they haven't seen the previous 10 years of hard work that went into something. And, you know, I want to put that on hold for just one second and come back to it, to that thought. But, you know, one of the things that we're doing with Spark City is we have a course called Audacity. And Audacity fills the need for companies to be able to build themselves from a small business to an enterprise. There's a huge hole in the market. So, again, when we go back to the media and in a lot of teaching entities, and I also teach at one of these entities as well, we have a lot of, of uh, coursework and information around startup. How do you start your business? What are the steps you have to take? How do you pick if you're going to be an S-Corp or an LLC? There's all kinds of information out there. And if you want to start a business, that's great. And there's a lot of tools out there to help you do that. There's also a lot of tools that talk about venture funding or private equity money or once you are big enough, a bank will look at you after three years and you might be able to get a line of credit. But there's nothing that that is in between that Mm -hmm. helps you figure out, now that I have the wheels on the bus, how do I actually drive this bus where I want it to go? How do I connect what it is that I've made now with the long-term mission, vision, and outcome that I want? So let's say, for example, you'd like to build your business and cash it out in seven years. How do you actually build the business in a way that will allow you to achieve that goal? And so we don't have coursework, and we don't have a lot of organized manners in which to help business owners connect the dots 
between startup and a larger success. Spark City is set up to help connect those dots with the business owners to be able to understand how do you do strategic planning with finance in mind, with sales in mind? How do you do a resource and staffing plan to help build the company? How do you do a marketing plan so that you don't just put Facebook posts up there, but that you actually create a funnel for potentials and for sales? How do we build these sales plans so that we can achieve Lisa, did I lose you? Here. Do you have Okay. Me? I've got you back. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, worries. no well, I think it might have been me. Okay. I didn't know. So tell me if there's something I need to go back in. But what what is missing for people is understanding the connection between where we are in startup and how to build those plans so much so that we connect our long-term outcomes with our activities activities that are happening now. And that's some of the work that we're focusing on in Spark City is providing an environment for these business owners to to come in and do that. This also works for middle managers in corporate because what we're also missing with this whole age of millennials is, is since the recession and that happened, you and I were able to come out of college and graduate school and get that corporate training, that entry-level job to learn yeah. the basis of how to do those things. But we have a whole generation that didn't learn how to do that. And so now, if they are going into corporations, they've missed some of that training. They've missed some of that that wherewithal that seems to be native to other people who had gotten that training. So Audacity is great for that, too, having these folks be able to see a whole different level of, of growth inside of participating at a middle management level. Yeah, I think this is I think what's so interesting about what you're doing now is having the real time support while you're building the business. You know, in my first company, I mean I read all the books and I, you know, interviewed people and, you know, as you said, we've gone to university, I've been in, in a couple of different co op programs, you know, going to the school in Canada, we had that. So I had a lot of exposure, and then I, and then yes, I was trained by the company that I worked for. And you and I have talked a lot about this, just this gap that exists of knowledge transfer and making that available, and and being and CEOs having a place to go to ask the questions while they're in the problem and getting you know world class accurate advice that's going to take them on the value chain for what it is that they intend to design. Because I'll tell you one thing, in my experience, if I go get advice from a venture capitalist, I'm getting a very skewed view of how to build my business, right? It's, it's from their position in the supply chain. If I go to my bank, there's just very few services. So there really hasn't been a place to go while I'm building it besides you, Chicky, other women in the executive girlfriends group and, and other women that I've met, 
that in real time, it could say, here's my strategy, here's my customer base that I'm trying to attract, here's the dilemma that I have. And I think a big part of what makes Spark City so valuable for the leaders is that real-time information for what they're dealing with and they're building. There's no one-size-fits-all here in any of this. Exactly. You know, and you hit the nail on the head for, for uh, perspective. So when you're a CEO and you're building something and you had a board installed, whether you've gotten investors and they're sitting on the board or your venture people put a board on there, some people give the advice and say, well, if a CEO needs to figure out how to do something, they should ask a board member. And that is a terrible mistake often. Your board isn't there to help you work that out. Your board will fire you if you do not have the performance. And so before you go to the board, what you need to do is, is figure out what are your action steps for performance. I hear it time and time again where CEOs think that those installed boards are there to help them, and they are in some ways, whether it's sales and making connections, but they're also there to judge them and get rid of them in the sense that they do not perform because the board is there to protect the investment, not to protect the CEO. You know, and these are some of the forces. And, and going back to that example where you had said the question before about somebody sitting in their room making an app and becoming a billionaire, you know, one of the stories that we have this mythology in the U.S. is that you've got this, this kid who's, you know, holed up in his bedroom and he's building an app and he hasn't come into his bedroom for 18 months and he's working really hard and his family's worried about him and one day he emerges and he's made this thing and all of a sudden they sell it for a billion dollars. And the reason why I think we, one, love that mythology is the fact that we don't get to see the personal transformation that must happen in order to be able to build an enterprise. That person built a product that they believed had product value to it, and that story gets told over and over again, although it very, very rarely happens. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it rarely, rarely happens where you have a single individual holed up in a room who makes a billion dollars worth of value, going back to that value conversation but we're in love with that conversation from a media standpoint and an American mythology standpoint because we think that we can be the same person starting the journey as getting to the end of the journey without having to go through the lumps and bumps and the pain that we go through in the learning curve. And so I I always like to point that out. And so much of the work that I've created is about what I've learned on the learning curve. Not just, hey, I was in venture-backed startup and then I had to take care of my dad and then we had family-owned business. And, you know, those certainly offered me lumps and bumps. But the transformation that happens through leadership, through decision-making, through navigating our way through all of these aspects means that we have to be willing to be transformed along with what we're doing with the company. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I know on more than one occasion in one of my ventures, 
I can actually honestly say that every company that I've built at some moment in time has brought me to my knees in tears. <laughs> yes. And they're not usually tears of joy. Sometimes they turn to that over time, but they usually aren't in that particular moment. And one of yep. the things that, that you talk about that I remind myself is you are insufficient as a leader for what you're taking on in this next stage. Yes. And really having to transform either my knowledge, I have to go take a class, or my network, or, you know, some aspect of who I am as the leader of that business to move the business from where it is to where we need it to go inside of our vision, and that I've got to start with changing myself first. Yes. Who you are today is insufficient for who you will need to be to fulfill on your big idea. Who yes. you are today is insufficient, right? And people don't want to believe that. They think, I'm prepared, I'm ready, I went to school, I did this, I did this in my past. But we're never really prepared for circumstances that, that drive us into that big idea for the future, especially if we're in the game of building real, incredible value, real, incredible value. That is the game that will cause us. And, yes, I have spent many a time, <laughs> not crying tears of joy, by the way, with the things that cause us to move into new and different directions. Those yeah. are, are the, the – we must be willing to change ourselves first before we think that we can go and change the world, change products, change a company. Our biggest change management project ever is on ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I was, uh, I was giggling when you, when you were talking about it. There's a reason that we stay in denial and don't believe that we're going to be insufficient. Because if you really knew... <laughs> what it was going to take, you wouldn't do this. Like no sane person would say, okay, I'm going to get up and go build a billion-dollar software company. Um, You have to have some level of internal optimism, delusion, and then pragmatism to pull this off and then to transform yourself. Yeah. That is it. That is it. And, you know, one of the things, and I know that we have an all-female all audience, and along the way, one of the, the blessings and the curses, I think, for, and you could probably attest to this too, is that I certainly have lost the concern, the self-concern that people like me. And mm-hmm. that, you know, some of the, the traits that we have as women that we have to give up. Some people feel uncomfortable. I say I, I don't lead my organization as a woman, I lead my organization as a leader. Yes. And that is it, learning how to do these things was all from the school of hard knocks, right? There was nothing easy in learning how to go and take these other action steps to behave in a way that is in alignment with building something like, hey, here's our next venture and it's going to be a billion dollar venture. So when we take on the enormity of whatever we're building, and by the way, one of the reasons why I called audacity audacity is not for anybody else to tell you what is audacious for you to do. 
you get to decide what is audacious. And so we can look at building a billion-dollar company, and that's pretty audacious. But it also means you must be willing to to transform like a diamond, right? And diamond yeah. starts, and it looks like coal, and it comes out of the rough, and ultimately it becomes the most crystalline, beautiful, and some of the hardest, right, materials yeah. on earth. And becoming a diamond, having that value, having the experience of it also means leaving behind that which does not help the the diamond shine. And some of that means um, giving up, being liked. And I don't think I'm unlikable, by the way, ladies out there, but I do think um, how much I care about if someone likes me is less and less important, and what is more and more important are the decisions that drive the mission of the company and creating huge value for the the clients, the customers, the employees, and the community at large. Yeah, and Lisa, I love the distinction that you've just expressed, leading as a leader. Right, not put, not tying it to a gender, not tying it to an age category, but really for each of us to find our own leadership capabilities and the expression of that as ourselves as leaders. Exactly. So exactly. right before I open it to Q&A, because we're going to let the audience talk to you and ask some questions, do you have a piece of billion-dollar advice for the audience today, do you have a billion-dollar idea that you'd be willing to share with this audience this afternoon? Okay. I have a billion-dollar idea. Okay. And I'm not going to do this myself. It's not the journey I want to be on. But I genuinely think if somebody took this on, they would have a billion-dollar company. You ready for this? I am. So right now, recycling is all done by hand. When you put recycling into a recycling bin, it goes to a facility where people sit and sort through all of the materials. And by the way, there's a lot of things that you put in recycling that may have a recycling number that we don't have the facility to recycle right now because it doesn't make economic sense. The idea that I have is that we would have some sort of coding for every material that went into something like an RFI tag, something, so that sorting and processing can become automated. And when sorting and processing of materials, I'm talking about all materials, not just plastic, but all materials, becomes automated, sustainability and being able to reuse parts and pieces becomes so much easier and greater. And by the way, regardless of people believe in global warming or anything like that, we have circumstances on planet Earth. We're going to hit 8 billion people. We have a rising middle class, and there is a race for resources. And so we have to figure out new and different ways as we move into the sustainable economy from the industrial economy to be able to capture resources and use them for creating new and different economic value. So somebody out there will go and figure this out and will have a tremendous billion-dollar company. Boy, I'll tell you, your enthusiasm on the idea is brilliant. So thanks for putting that out there. Whichever one of you ladies goes and builds this to success, put Lisa on your board. She'll be a great voice. 
Now, Chicky, can we open it up to the audience and um, get people to ask Lisa the questions that are important to them? Well, actually, on today's call, uh, you have me, so I would love to ask a question, if you don't mind. You bet. Okay, terrific. Uh, Lisa, I loved, uh, well, everything you said is so germane because I'm I'm at a place where I'm just accelerating from what's been uh, a crawl stage in a bootstrapped business to making really, really important decisions about whether or not I, I raise funding. And, you know, you gave some really, really practical tips on that front. Um, One of the reasons I haven't raised money is the amount of time that it takes to actually formally put that process into place. But if, if I have an opportunity to get money from someone who, you know, is is going to come in and participate in the company, uh, what is your recommendation on how you pace the equity that you give to that individual because clearly the position itself if they were able to fulfill everything that needs to be done and take all of that off my plate there's value in that but if they never deliver anything that that helps the company grow then you know obviously the value isn't there mm-hmm. and so i would don't want to get into a position where i'm giving away too much uh for that promise of relief versus, you know, the real value of helping me grow the company? Yeah, so that's a great question. And one of the things that I think is most important to know, and we want to be generous as individuals, but you can never take back equity. You have to buy back equity. You can always be able to step up more equity on the proof of value creation. So I kind of look at this as you start out while you're dating. And you can be dating and say, you know, we're going to go to the movies and have dinner, and then I'm going to drop you off at your house, and that's it. And that's one way. And then you might get more serious. And then you might think about living together. And then you might think about getting married. Just in the same way that, that you know, I told you that there's, there is an arc, you should be thinking about vesting people on a schedule that would have an arc. So you don't give away a whole lot of equity at the beginning. And what you want to also be certain of about that equity of whoever is going to be coming in is that if you could pay for something, so like instead your lawyer should be paid, they shouldn't get equity in exchange, right? Because equity is the most expensive money you're ever going to get. So you want to make sure that what they are providing is invaluable inside of the setup. So I would do this as a stepped approach. You look at part of it as a cash-based start and then be able to start tying equity in a stepped approach that is tagged with achievement. Well, that that sounds very, very wise. And, uh, you know, I've, I've struggled with this for a long time because as a, as a bootstrapped uh, individual, you typically do have to find a way to get people to do things without sure. compensation. And, you know, sometimes that does include uh, attorneys. But, uh, you know, what has worked well for me is is finding a way to do deferred comp- compensation uh, or even a revenue share if if that makes sense for those kinds mm-hmm. of things. 
And, uh, you know, MK, on, on our Friday show, we uh, record the show with our guests, and then the bulk of the people who listen are listening on Blog Talk Radio. So I apologize uh, uh, that we don't have live listeners on the show today. But, okay. uh, Lisa, this has been just amazing. And, MK, you are an absolute natural. I know you have a, a lot of experience in broadcasting, and it absolutely shows. Well, thank you, Chicky. Lisa, thank you for just being so valuable, so clear, so valuable. It was just a, a privilege starting with you. Chicky, thanks for, for the venue again. Um, I look forward to expanding this and, and getting this knowledge into women's hands, exactly like Lisa did today, right? At the moment in time when you're asking yourself a key decision, let's give people... Let's give women, let's give leaders the information that they need to make the right decision for the business, for their business, for their vision, and for their dreams. So thank you. Thank Patty. This has been just exceptional. Totally wonderful. Thank you guys for having me. I totally enjoyed it. And um, if you need anything else from me, just let me know. That's good. Awesome. Uh, So... Thank you for attending to our show. For any more information on membership, check out the Executive Girlfriends Group on the website. And it's exactly that, Executive Girlfriends Group. Or there's also a Facebook page. And Chicky and Patty and the team host the events that you can then come and see us again in the future. So thanks for your time today. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. <laughs>